pray with me. Dear God, we thank you for being lifted high. We just raise you up this morning. God, just help us to remember this, to remember that you desire to have this relationship with us. Help us in our unbelief at times. Help us when the busyness of life just takes over and we assume we have no time for you. God, just be lifted up in our lives. Let us believe the words that we've been singing this morning. I just pray for a blessing over our speaker, that you will be speaking through him, that the words that he'll speak to us will be words that we won't forget. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. God has beauty in all of us, and we all have assets to give, and we all have a lot of contribution. As long as there's somebody out there willing to give that person a chance. I um, got gas in a pop bottle, and I didn't realize I had gas myself. I thought I was just smelling it, you know, from the pop bottle. Well, I went and lit a smoke, and from the fumes, it just combusted, and I burnt over 80% of my body. And then the ambulance drivers came, and the fire department, they all came. They loaded me up in the ambulance, so they put two IVs in my feet, and from there, I woke up two and a half months later. The hospital says that they get one miracle a year, and I was that miracle that year. You know, Vancouver tells the tale of two cities, the, the powerful, the powerless, um, the glory and the shame. It's uh, one of the most beautiful places in the world, and yet 
um, when you come into the downtown east side, uh, it's almost like going into another world. Uh, the downtown east side is a place uh, um, that's really challenged by homelessness and poverty, um, people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, uh, people that are uh, dealing with disability and mental health issues. Uh, Mission Possible provides basic street-level care to people experiencing homelessness and poverty in the downtown east side. Um, we really believe that building deep relationships with people is the best opportunity uh, to move them towards life change. My company shut down that I was working for. I shut down, it went out of business. I was bored at home, so I thought, well, you know, I should go volunteer somewhere and go help out. I want to go volunteer at a place where I felt helped me out. And the first place that popped in my mind was Mission Possible. I met Linda at a, at a breakfast at Mission Possible. Um, just started talking with her and and I found out very quickly that she was very interested in in trying to find something to do to get out and to begin to engage in the in the world again so I came the next day and then the next day and the next day and I just never really left to be honest the very first day I started volunteering I've been coming five days a week but what makes Linda different is that she has a capacity, has that capacity within her that she's been able to um, move beyond herself and not only just worry about herself and her own survival, but the survival of her kids and the survival of her friends, uh, people that she's learned to love and care for. And she's almost seen as a mother down here, you know. People look to her for advice, they look to her for help. They looked to her for encouragement and for love, and she offers it freely to, to them. I don't consider them clients or, you know, I consider them family and friends. And it's a lot easier to help a family member out than it is to help a client out. In a weakness, God's power is, is made manifest, right? And, uh, I mean, that's what you see when you see Linda rolling along in her wheelchair uh, down the street in the downtown east side. Um, not somebody that's weak, but somebody that's powerful. I really believe that God has something for all of us to do, and mine was to help people because I do understand struggles. I've been there, maybe not the exact same struggles that they're going through. Like, I've never been an addict to drugs and alcohol, but I understand what it's like to get up every day and struggle. We're all wired for love. And it's when we're able to see each other as we truly are, as God sees us, is when we're able to tap into the love that God has gifted us. And that's God's creation. That's how he's made our world, right? But he also works through individuals the same way, you know, through their personality, you know. You may not see it by looking at them as you can the mountains and the rainforest and stuff like that. That type of beauty you can see just by looking at, right? People's beauty, you got to get to know them to see their beauty. I've known Brian for many years and I've been repeatedly stunned by his radical interpretation of the Christian gospel. He was for many years a pastor, and this church found creative ways to meet the deep needs of their Kansas City neighborhood. But Brian has for a long time seen past the condescending and belittling mode in which uh, a model of charity in which the church has all too often characterized uh, the poor that it attempts to serve. Instead, in each phase of his ministry and life, Brian has demonstrated an abundant uh, awareness of the gifts and the capacities and the abilities and creativity that flow into the church from those that return to serve. What Brian has discovered, what Brian has taught with remarkable clarity, is that God's grace moves into the lives uh, of the church from the faces of the least of these. I can say without hesitation that he is one of the most creative and important theological voices in the Church of the Nazarene today. His current position. Uh, is ex executive director of a humanitarian agency that you were just introduced to in Vancouver, British Columbia, called Mission Possible, where he's directed from 2007. 
they work in this agency to transform both the lives of the homeless and jobless, but also to transform their corner of the east side of downtown Vancouver. Mission Possible is growing rapidly and finding incredible and creative ways to connect people without jobs and homes to meaningful work and secure housing. Just this week, he was awarded a fancy silver medal from the Canadian government to recognize his leadership in forming a more caring society and country. Brian's also the husband of Becky and the father of two children, Madeline, age nine, and William, age six. He's an avid baseball fan, among many other things, and a person I'm honored to call a dear friend. I'm honored to introduce you to Brian Postman. Well, uh, good morning. It's wonderful to be here. I'm going to do something completely uh, preachers shouldn't do uh, when they, before they preach a sermon, is sing. And I'm going to uh, teach you a song that was taught to me by some monks in a, a town called Taze in France. Um, it's, it's meant to be a prayer. It's a meditative kind of singing. And, and the song, uh, uh, it's, uh, uh, the words are, Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let not my doubts nor my darkness speak to me. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. Okay? And I'm going to try to sing that. I'm going to sing it like three times. Okay? And what I'm really hoping so that you don't completely make me feel awkward before I speak is that after a time through, you'll join in, even if you're not quite sure you know it. And uh, let's sing it as a prayer, okay? Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let not my doubts nor my darkness speak to me. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let not my doubt nor my darkness speak to me. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. One more time. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let not my doubt nor my darkness speak to me. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. Oh, very good. Give yourselves a hand for that. That was awesome. Well, um, I, I'm, 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 I'm probably a little embarrassed already from the start. Um, uh, they flew me across the continent. Uh, to, to, to give a very, very simple message. And I'm, I'm going to give a very, very simple message this morning. They may not invite me back. It's, it's so, uh, just, probably just so simple and, and just not profound enough for, a, for to fly a guy across the continent. Right, when I was telling my uh, kids that I was coming to Boston, you got to understand we're from Vancouver, right? And, and as soon as I said I was uh, uh, going to Boston, my, my kids were like, Boo, Boston! Of course, all my, all my children know that Boston is the Boston Bruins and the, you know, and, and my daughter, my daughter was trying to encourage me uh, to, to wear my Canucks jersey this morning, but I didn't, I didn't want to add one more thing, one more reason not to invite me back. Well, um, Vancouver, British Columbia does indeed tell the tale of two cities that I talked about in the video, the powerful and the powerless, the glory and the shame, the, the beautiful and the unlovely. And just as beauty is in the eye of the beholder, those who have eyes to see and ears to hear can perceive the inbreaking of the kingdom of God in simple, albeit found ways that make all the difference to those who are endeavoring to work on its behalf. Vancouver has acute needs and challenges Although it's not like, unlike other North American cities, not unlike Boston. 
or communities that you come from and know well. Vancouver's downtown east side, my staff affectionately calls it the DTEZ, is most often branded by images of people struggling to survive addictions and mental illness and disabilities, reentry from prison. Combine it all with substandard housing, the, the most extensive English-speaking city in the world, you encounter poverty and homelessness that's, that is universally obscene. How do you know it's obscene? Well, when you come to Vancouver, you'll just know it when you see it. At Mission Possible, we work alongside people who are challenged by homelessness and poverty, and the nuance is important because homelessness and poverty are not a death sentence. It's, it's a challenge to be engaged. We work alongside the, side people because the best and most lasting transformation that happens in our communities happens from the bottom up to the inside out. One thing I've discovered is that everyone, regardless of challenge, is looking for purpose in life. So at Mission Possible, we, uh, we create opportunities for people to find purpose through meaningful work. We create businesses that actually employ people, and they earn money. They get a paycheck. And in a community like ours where people wait in line every week, every month, to receive a government-issued check as a sign that they've been labeled by society as a person of need, a paycheck earned with the sweat off their brow and the calluses in their hand is a powerful platform for life change. People always ask me, how do I manage in the midst of what people perceive to be such hopelessness? Well, the people I have privilege to work alongside are not all that different than you or me. And there's a gift to be received when you see the world through their eyes. Okay, enough about Mission Possible. I'm going to read to you out of John chapter 15. Would you mind standing as I read uh, the gospel this morning? This is John chapter 15, starting with verse 9. As the Father loves me, as the Father loves me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I said these things to you so that you might have joy and that your joy might be complete. Gospel of our Lord, you may be seated. From the moment that we breathe our first breath, we yearn for love. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about when you see the, the eyes of your newborn child. Mother Teresa once observed about the West, she said that, you know, your poverty is not one of material means. It's an impoverishment of love. Many in the world are dying for a piece of bread, she said, that many more are in need of a little bit of love. In Vancouver's downtown east side, the needs are overwhelming, but when you look in the eyes of my friends, challenged by homelessness and poverty and addiction, what they yearn for more than anything else is love. Truth be told, though, when I look across this room and I look into your eyes, not so different than them. As I talk with young men, many of them struggling to gain a sense of confidence as an adult, my instinct is often to ask about their relationship with their father. Often deep within, a wound exists because of the father's inability to love well. For whatever reason, the father was unable to tangibly or concretely express his love to his son, or perhaps even the father was completely absent. You see, the son craves the father's love. He needs to hear him express it and live it unconditionally. In love's absence, the son settles for a lower common denominator, and sadly, that's where the game begins. You see, resigned to the fact that the son may never hear an I love you, he begins to instinctively seek out an I am proud of you, but sadly enough, that sometimes never comes. 
Some of you know exactly what I'm saying. You've lived it. Women aren't excluded from this. They also look for their fathers to prove their love to them. And when they fail to find it, young girls often carelessly look for love in the arms of young men. What we end up is a pandemic of young people, like the Willie Nelson song, are looking for love where? Where is the church in all this? Where are the people of God in all of this? Well, at our best, we are that redemptive community able to absorb the loss of love in our culture. But we haven't always been at our best. It's sad that we've often failed to be that community that nurtures that kind of love. But perhaps even more tragic, and I suppose this gets to the very root of the problem, is that for many of us, we walk around without a deep assurance of God's love for us. In our own spiritual impoverishment, impoverishment, we too often come to God with the the same game as the son or daughter who has not received the love from his parents. We so desperately crave the love of God and we try to gain it with the same tactics and schemes we've used to gain the approval of those who have failed to love us well. We think if only we try hard enough, we can earn God's love. Yet instead of fulfillment, we find excessive guilt and confusion, inevitably traveling a slippery path between spiritual highs and spiritual lows. And that's when we begin to hear the most tragic of voices. You know this voice. You know this voice. The voice that says to you, I'm not lovable. Nobody loves me. For some of us, that voice is so strong that even when we're loved authentically, even when we find the one person in our lives who finally loves us purely, even then we find ourselves continuing to stumble into self-rejection. You say that you love me, but if you really knew, you say that you love me, but if you really knew my history, if you nearly knew my past, if you really knew the thoughts in my head, if you really knew what was in my closet, you wouldn't love me. Sure, we learn to develop a kind of self-talk that sustains us for a while. I call it a Stuart Schmology, kind of like Stuart Smalley, you know, from SNL. Maybe that's before your time. Stuart Smalley stands in front of the mirror and he says what? He says, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's a short-term bomb at best. Perhaps self-rejection is not your thing. Instead, you move towards the subtle arrogance of putting yourself up on a pedestal where people can praise you, where you can stay in the light and on stage, but deep within. You're afraid of what others might think of you when you're not at your best. Jesus gathered his disciples shortly before his death. And John records for us some of his words. I read read them to, to you. As the Father loves me, so I love you. Abide in my love. Abide. Abide. Remain. Make your home in my love, Jesus says. It is this word of safety and security to be invited to remain in the present active love of God through Jesus. Now when you think of Jesus' compatriots, those who surrounded him as he taught, especially those finicky, rough-edged disciples, there weren't many who abided well. Those original disciples struggled to live into the safety and security while Jesus was with them, even when he was right there. 
But there was someone who knew how to bask in the love of Jesus, the one who understood herself to be the beloved. Jesus said that we would remember, that we would tell the story of her love over and over again. Do you remember her name? Her name was Mary, the sister of Martha, the sister of Lazarus. There is a scene in the Gospels when Mary is sitting at the feet of her Lord and she takes this jar of perfume. And I don't know, it doesn't say it in the Scriptures, but my sense is is maybe this was the jar that she had prepared for her brother who was dead but is now alive and, and she doesn't need it for that anymore. And she comes to Jesus and she sits down at his feet and she breaks open this jar of perfume and lavishes it upon Jesus' feet and then forwardly begins sopping up the excess with her hair. This is a really intimate moment. I love this story. And I, I sometimes picture myself there. If I can get that far in my imagination. There I am watching Mary sometimes. Sometimes I am noisily attending my own agenda with Martha, trying to get the house ready with all the guests. And I'm so unaware of the love that is fragrantly filling the room. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm there with those disciples questioning the appropriateness of such a gift. After all, doesn't she know that, that we're about kingdom work here? But sometimes really wonderful times, precious moments, when I'm quiet enough and courageous enough, I, I sit down next to Mary, and there I watch as she with such care, tenderly adorns Jesus' feet, a mix of oil and hair and tears as she gazes into Jesus' eyes and she gazes back straight into her heart with loving approval. And then perhaps other times, really, really extraordinary, precious moments when my heart is not proud and I'm able to sit down next to Mary. And yet this time it's not Mary, it's me and Jesus. A mix of oil and hair and tears. And as I gaze into Jesus' eyes, he looks right back at me with loving feet straight to my heart. A vision like that it reminds me how important it is for us as people who are created, who are finite, who are dependent upon this one who has made himself present in the universe through this one called Jesus. How important it is for us to sit at his feet and to and when I'm able to do that, I'm sometimes transported to that place. You know that place. You've maybe experienced it before. It's that place that the psalmist talks about, where I don't want or need anything. Where he makes me lie down in the greenest of pastures. Where he leaves me beside the still and quiet waters. There my soul is restored. And even in the presence of those who would do me ill, I walk with confidence because he's with me. It's there in that place where, where I catch a glimpse about the ability to walk with this one. And I'm assured that goodness will indeed, even in the midst of pain and brokenness of my own sense of inadequacy, even in the midst of all of that, I will walk in the house of the Lord forever.
that assurance means everything. Well, ironically, I don't think it's very easy for most of us to hear that we're loved. Kind of makes you want to squirm in your seat. For some of us, it's fear. We yearn for a fuller love that we've been loved by a partial love before. A love that failed us, a love that ended, a love that ripped our lives apart. And we're not sure that we want to risk it anymore. For others of us, it's hard to be loved when we're confronted by these voices saying that you're no good, you're ugly, you're worthless, you're despicable, you're a nobody. My uh, facial difference is due to a tumor that has grown in my face since before I was even born. And uh, I spent a lifetime enduring the stares of others. Now, I've learned outwardly to ignore these crude and ignorant and deliberate judgments, but internally they are laid upon my soul as indictments not so easily removed. Indictments that feed the voices saying to me, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm a nobody. But here's the thing that I've learned. Is you don't need an outward affliction to be confronted by these voices, do you, brothers and sisters? And my friends, I'm convinced that these voices are the greatest enemy of the spiritual life. Because these voices contradict the sacred voice that is perpetually calling out and naming each and every one of you as beloved sons and daughters of God. As the Father loves me, Jesus said. As the Father loves me, so I love you. Abide, remain, be assured, take a bath in my love for you. Jesus says it to us, this love I, I give to you fully, without holding anything back. This love I give to you so that you might have joy. Completely. Now, some of you catch yourselves playing the approval game for God's love, trying to dot the religious I's and cross the religious T's. Some of you perhaps are recovering, but find yourself returning for the approval every now and again, still listening to those tragic voices. So in John's Gospel, the first thing we hear about Jesus, we're introduced to him, he He is there in a scene with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is at the Jordan. And there's people lined up for as far as the eye can see, coming down to be baptized with John. In some way, they're beginning, maybe perhaps telling the truth about their lives to themselves and to others and to God. There they are, ready and willing to be transformed. The first time we see Jesus or hear about Jesus' ministry, there he is, and everything is hunky-dory until Jesus steps into the water with John. Now what's amazing to me at this point is Jesus hadn't done squat yet. He hadn't, he hadn't been to the desert. He hadn't turn water into wine. There are no powerful sermons. He hasn't healed the sick, given sight to the blind, raised the dead. All he does is get wet. And yet the Father grabs this opportunity to rip open the heavens and declare a Father's loving approval. And he says, You are my beloved Son. I am pleased with you. Oh, to hear that voice. As the Father loves me, Jesus says, as the Father loves me, so I love 
you in the same manner, in the same likeness, in the same way as the Father loves me, I love you. And Jesus says it to his disciples. He says it to you and me that, that you are loved. I am pleased with you. You are my son. You are my daughter. Now, sure, you're not complete. I mean, you're in college. You don't know who you are yet. That's cool. Some of you faculty and staff don't know who you are yet. Time to start figuring that one out. You're going to do some knuckleheaded things in your life. You may be engaged in some of them at the moment. You're going to have errors in judgment. You're going to have absolute failures where your life completely backfires. There are going to be things that will happen to you in the years ahead that you completely are completely unexpected and completely out of control. Your control. But hear me clearly, Jesus says to you and to me. He says, I love you. He says, I'm sending my love with you wherever you go. And my goodness, the message is so stinking simple. You know, I've, I've heard it since I was a little kid. I can't, I can't get it into my mind and into my heart. Simple message. So simple that you might not be offended if I would just tell you one more time, okay? Because I would hate for you to leave this place and not really here. So can I tell you? God loves you. God loves you. Even you guys up in the balcony. Amen? Amen. Boy, that is that is some that is some good news, man. Man, I need that good news to get inside of me. So it's really a pleasure and for me to uh, to work with a compassionate team of people at Mission Possible who are learning to serve in the middle of the downtown east side and love people there. And uh, to tell you the truth, my, it's great to be here because my days often are filled up with uh, managing staff and raising money and, and all kinds of other craziness. But perhaps you can hear the pastor's heart still inside of me this morning. When I do have moments when I, I have opportunity to provide pastoral care to people in the east side, some of them whose lives are just completely out of control and some of them, you know, they've done everything they can to, to try to turn it around, but for whatever reason, they just couldn't do it. A gal named Crystal that I met uh, a few months ago sat in my office one day and just broke down because she had tried everything. She was a graduate of a, of a university went on to work for a large financial institution, but through a, a number of different things, for whatever reason, she she chose to wrap her lips around a crack pipe one day, and ever since she's been addicted. A woman of great spiritual depth, as I spoke and talked with her, and she just simply had all the will in the world, but just couldn't simply find a way out of her addiction. It's in times like those when I look into eyes of people like Crystal and I, I wonder what in the world do I have to say or to offer to this, this woman who, boy, her faith in some ways is so much more mature than mine. Sometimes all I can get out, sometimes as authentically as I can, is, you know, I, sister, I, I, don't know, I don't know how you're doing it. And I, but all I know is that God loves you. And if I could hear her in her inner voice uh, quietly, I could hear a 
Yeah, but. Even when I was looking out at all of you and I was telling all of you that God loves you and, you know, I could tell for some of you it's kind of hard to hear. I wonder if there was a small voice within you that said, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I'm at. You don't, you don't know what I'm thinking. What I, you, don't, you don't know what's hidden in my life. No one would understand me. Well, no amount of words from this preacher is ever going to convince you of God's love for you. That's the way it ought to be. But if, if you were one of those people that had that yeah, but let me invite you to hold on. Hold on. I mean, this is that perfect time in your life where you have space and, and time and you can explore new things and, and perhaps maybe just in a quiet moment, perhaps you can get away from this campus and maybe out to the bay or in a park somewhere where you can experience the beauty of creation and you can sit and you can maybe just listen. Maybe in that moment all that you can imagine, all that you can manage is a here I am. Maybe you don't even know if you believe in God anymore. I mean, I've been there, done that. Maybe you can't even authentically get out those words. Maybe words have completely left you and all you can do is sit in the silence. If I know anything about my life, I believe this. Is that the same God who ripped open the heavens to speak audibly to His Son so that He might hear wants to rip open the heavens and speak into your, your soul and your heart too. And that's my prayer for all of you. That you might begin to have the voice of God's love overcome all of those other voices that contend for your attention. Let me do this right now. And that song I talked to, can we sing that? We're going to sing it as a prayer. And uh, how are we on time? Are we? We're a little over. Oh, shoot. We'll sing it three times, okay? Got it? Close your eyes. You don't have to, though. I'm going to sing it started off. Then you guys are going to carry it. And we're going to sing it three times, okay? I'm going to shut my mic off so you got to keep singing, okay? Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let not my doubts nor my darkness speak to me. Jesus, your light is shining within us. Let my heart always welcome your love. Mm-hmm. Let me just say a quick closing prayer for us. Lord, we thank you so much for just walking alongside us and entering us, entering into us in the places that we are, God. And for knowing us even better than we know ourselves at times, God, and for loving us. And God, I just ask that you send us out into your world and um, that your light will shine in through us. And we love you so
one piece.